This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Introducing ADT Self-Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. But we're here with a who the heck is this voice edition of the E-League Report. The best <laughs> damn eSports show you're going to listen to this week. I'm Jules. He's seven. And we can blame Brian for this episode because he decided to get sick and lose his voice. Poor princess. <laughs> I mean, actually, it's, it is – honestly, it's the best time to hang out with Brian when he can't talk. <laughs> oh, snap. And then he's going to edit this episode and go, you goddamn you too. That's right. That's right. I'm going to get I'm going to get a nasty uh nasty message because he can't call me and yell at me. Yeah. Maybe he'll he FaceTime me and mime at me angrily. <laughs> Cuz he can't talk. This is the beauty of how this all works. We're, we're going to do this um kind of excuse the dust. I haven't done this one in a while, so we're going to we're going to figure this out and figure it out a good way. Um, we're going to have some fun along the way, but coming up on this episode, CSGO's surprise announcement gave them the review bomb blues. Overwatch League is kind of going on the road, kind of, in 2019, and Artifact is losing players by the minute. But first, let's talk about the eSports Awards. They were held on Thursday in Los Angeles, awarding titles for the best in gaming and eSports in 2018. Some of the most notable award winners, Overwatch wins best eSports game, Cloud9, their league team wins best esports team, and Sonic Fox wins esports player of the year with an epic speech that got the internet talking. So, were there any surprises to you with the winner seven? Was anybody like robbed? No, I wouldn't say anybody was robbed, especially from an esports standpoint. I really do like the fact that uh, Sonic Fox won player of the year. I think that to get an FGC player up there and to win was a huge, a huge win for that community. Uh, I think historically, I think Coldzera maybe won like last year. Uh, so it's it's always been maybe someone like a, a from like a, a CS:GO scene or just a larger, uh, I guess you say a larger esport. Uh, so the FGC winning one out, especially Sonic Fox because he's such a character too, right? And uh, him winning, I might have also been. <laughs> playing somewhat into the fact that uh, the Mortal Kombat announcement came out. We'll talk about that later, but it came out like right after his speech, which is also really, really cool. But I think that was, I think that was, well, I mean, him upending like Jonak and, and Tokita was also up there, which is another uh, FGC player. So I think that him winning was probably one of my favorite moments. Oh, it was mine too. You got a chance to watch his acceptance speech. He kind of turned everything up on its ear and he's so raw and so honest. 
and uh, coming up there and saying, I'm hella gay, I'm a furry, and I'm here, and I won Esports Player of the Year. And uh, I've been following Sonic Fox on Twitter for a while, and he's he's kind of overwhelmed now because there's been a ton of people who have followed him, good and bad. You know, he's right, gotten right, a lot right. of extra now attention for this award. But what I liked about it is that the Esports Awards had so much impact on everything. They were... There was so much going on related to it, not only the awards, but like, as you mentioned, like all these announcements that came out, like everybody was so stoked for this to happen. And then we get winners like uh, the the C9 comeback win and triple overtime versus phase, the E-League moment. That, that is the best esports that, moment. Like, that's yeah. cool. I, I, I that one I definitely, definitely agree with. I mean, the rest of them were a lot of more like League, League of Legends related, uh, Kate. KT versus IG base race, which is a great moment that like the two of them kind of going at it. Uh, I do definitely remember that one, but the one that stuck out the most, and I think it had the most impact of, I remember even like, I think it was like Suli was even crying because of it was cloud nine uh, winning that uh, maybe the last, last time they'll ever win anything great. Uh, oh. just falling apart since then. I, I love cloud nine. I'm not dissing them, but they've definitely had some troubles, but I think that was great. Um, esports event host. I I really thought Golden Boy would have had that. I think Golden Boy has had an amazing breakout year. Um, I'm surprised he didn't win. Uh, otherwise, I think what best esports game Overwatch winning it. That was a bit of a surprise compared being that it was up against Fortnite, right? Fortnite mm-hmm. is kind of sweeping. Like when you when you step out of esports, Red Dead Redemption was kind of cleaning up all the other awards. Yeah, and and Fortnite you kind of assume would. Um, even though it's kind of a, kind of a bumpy start in terms of an esport, um, but it was also a, an incredible year for Overwatch. We had the inaugural season of the Overwatch League, so kudos to them for that. They pulled off what seemed like the unimaginable early on, uh, even though it, it was kind of sort of delayed a year. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say there are any huge surprises. Yeah. Um, but it, it was good to see that it wasn't just like a, a popularity contest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Fortnite. You could argue that Fortnite winning uh, best ongoing game could be a little, a little like popularity contest because, yeah. but it, it just, I know it was nice to see Overwatch bring it in. And I agree with you. So, um, the, the esports awards brought us a whole bunch of stuff. And the, the, the one thing that I was kind of, it was strange for me. I didn't know that they were happening until like the couple days before. And then all of a sudden everyone was like, Esports Awards! And I'm going, huh? Like, <laughs> but then everybody seemed to know that there were all these great things happening. I don't know. Did, did I miss the opportunity to like get all the advertising? Like, where did I miss it? I don't know where I didn't see it. Well, uh, technically it was the game awards, but there was an esports section. So, but even so, it wasn't highly publicized, which is somewhat ironic. Um, I wasn't paying much attention. I think it's because there is the actual esports awards that happens in Europe halfway through and it is completely a com, uh, a, uh, a popularity contest. It's like, oh, yeah. That's when been, like Thorin always wins somehow. I've been saying esports uh, awards this whole time, and it's because I'm really tired tonight. So I apologize. It is the game it, awards. <laughs> it is the game awards, but there was an esports awards section, to be yes. clear. But yeah, okay, um, we got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, it was definitely underserved in terms of a. Uh, from getting the word out there, it was a well produced event. Uh, Everything I'd seen from it or everything I got a chance to watch was 
was solid. Uh, did it serve? Did it service the the? I guess you could say gamers well, right? It didn't seem crazy uh, or. I don't know, awkward, cringy, like it tends to always be. I mean, yeah. of course, you're going to have those moments. But when you go and you look at the one that happens in Europe, uh, it's actually run by like a promotions company. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the same. And this one, uh, especially when you start seeing things like, again, like Sonic Fox winning. Sonic Fox would not have won the other one. Uh, yeah. It would have been someone who just had more Twitter following, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> more than likely. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a, it's a good thing. And this one also had some really cool surprises. I mean – uh, one of the big game announcements throughout the night and really one of the biggest surprises that came uh, out of the, the night outside of Mortal Kombat, which a lot of people were excited about, was Smash Brothers. Smash yeah. Brothers Ultimate. Nobody – I think we were – I was still – I'm still blindsided by it. The fact that they announced in their upcoming DLC that Joker from Persona 5 will be joining in. Now, this is Persona 5, correct? The PlayStation exclusive title is coming to – Smash Brothers Ultimate on the Switch. I, I mean, was this in your in your opinion? Was this either a was this the most brilliant marketing play to announce this, the DLC the day before it went live? Dude, nobody saw this coming. Like, you think about these platforms as being they are their exclusive. Like, we're not crossing the streams here, and suddenly. I don't know of a person on social media that was like, I did not see this coming. Like, because it was not something that was in the realm of possibility to most people. Like, what, how could a PlayStation exclusive game cross over to a Nintendo game? Right. Well, I mean, Tekken has set the bar in some fashion. We've seen uh, Negan from like The Walking Dead jumping into Tekken, but this is a game exclusive, uh, a platform exclusive joining another platform exclusive, which is. Uh, well, which is Nintendo, and Nintendo isn't generally open to everybody. To be fair, at the beginning of the night, I think they had the heads of all three uh, of Nintendo, uh, Xbox, and PlayStation up on stage at the Game Awards talking about essentially what is the end of the console wars. They they don't want it to be about console wars anymore, which I thought was an interesting way of playing it. And then this announcement comes out (laughs) halfway through the night. So maybe they're preempting it somewhat. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe it's because they all realize it's just going to go streaming anyways. And there is no platform at that point. Uh, I, I love it though. It, I think it's awesome. I did too. And the thing about it, so this is the thing that surprised me the most is that most times, if you're going to announce a DLC before a game goes live, people are going to go, "What? What's this BS? I've got to pay for the game, and then I got to pay for the DLC." And nobody seemed to give a shit. Like they were just no. so stoked by the fact it was Joker from Persona Five that was coming to the game that they were willing to throw money at it. And that's where I call it brilliant. That's where I say you did this right because most of the time, if you're going to announce a DLC before the game is ever released, like good effing luck. And he's supposedly part of the challenge pack, which is going to be the first DLC. They didn't announce the date of when that, when that would be released. I think the difference is here is that uh, with Smash uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, they essentially have 1.5 million characters in that game so having one not in there and it being exclusive from another platform is is the way you do it right and they <laughs> they didn't give a gameplay tra- a trailer it was just uh it was just basically all graphic and and story but it wasn't actual gameplay and i think people are willing to accept it because they haven't one they haven't played it yet and two uh i mean there are already so many characters like most people are overwhelmed with the amount of choices already yeah 
and they knew that DLC was coming. They've already talked about, hey, more characters will come in DLC. This is just maybe starting that slow leak of or so slow reveal of, of characters that will be in it. And who knows? We don't know if it's like three deal, three characters. We don't know anything about this DLC other than the fact it's called a challenge pack. That's it. And that there are people that are super stoked about it. And speaking of super stoked about things, another part that came from the Game Awards was the reveal of Mortal Kombat 11, which will release on April 23rd. It's got one of the coolest things called custom character variations, where players will be able to make fighters that match their own play styles. So is this is this the way that you're going to come in to Mortal Kombat in the esports arena by – can you create a character – and is there space for it for you to compete with them in esports? I don't know if they're going to allow custom characters from an esports standpoint because I, I, it depends on how they balance it, right? It could be that you get so many points and so many types of moves are allotted to points. And so there is somewhat of a balance to it. But I think from a perspective of uh, – from an esports perspective, you want the mainstay characters of your – um, of your game to be the ones that are promoted the most. Yeah. Uh, which is why you don't see like CSGO playing on, well, CSGO is probably, you don't see like Overwatch people playing on custom made maps that some rando did. Right. Um, and so they, you want, or you can't make custom characters and they're all kind of forced into this, the one skins, right? League of Legends is a little different. You can do all the different types of skins, but long story short, I I don't see that it being a competitive thing that you can create your own character. I think you have to stick with one of the ones Mm -hmm. and let's talk a minute about that trailer. Holy crap. Was that like the most violent, craziest over the top thing in the world, which is uh, like everything that is a descriptor or in the, the uh, subtitle of mortal Kombat. just when you talk about that game, but this new engine that they have supposedly is going to make it uh, even like look even crazier in terms of like when they're actually able to connect, and so it looks more realistic, which has always been my caveat when it comes to Mortal Kombat. Yeah, mine they too. Feel a little clunky, feel a little clunky, but it's like over the top, almost comical. Uh, every move you land essentially looks like it kills the person because that's just Mortal Kombat. Uh, and the, so the Raiden and Scorpion uh, Scorpion fight was just. <laughs> insane uh i mean i was watching it and going oh and just laughing my ass off at the same time because it's like what is this madness like the the person who directed is like okay you're going to kick him up into the air then burn his entire body but when he lands he'll still be okay kind of like just shrug it off and then you're going to take your eyes and just laser beam the lower half of his body off but then he'll still be standing because that's cool and then you need to go in for the actual kill which just chops him in half (laughs) But slow reveal, he'll come back in a different costume on the next round. It's like, what's going on here? Um, Mortal Kombat always does that to me. It's like the guy just got his spine ripped out, but he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, I uh, heard on another podcast a couple of people were talking about how like when that was revealed, like the audience was just like super hyped for it. It was just like, oh, this is awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's just way, way over the top. Is that your kind of game, Jules? You seem like a way over the top FGC kind of gal. I am, but this is how I play them. I will just take the controller and let just mash buttons and don't know what combos I'm hitting. <laughs> Do it drunk because that's when it's more fun. And uh, and the, just it is the 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 best time ever. I've played more. I think I played uh, many many games of Mortal Kombat completely drunk and just not knowing what I was hitting and what character I was playing because we were just. We were just spamming it. It's I'm I'm the worst FGC player and the best at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so to, 
to be clear that the, the trailer also did not have any gameplay. Um, it maybe was using, I don't think it was using the engine either. I think it was fully rendered. So I don't think there was really anything to do with the, with the engine. It's hard yeah. to tell. Uh, it, it is coming out in April. So we've got some time mm-hmm. until it is, uh, is out there. So I'm, I expect in the coming months, Maybe in January here, start start hearing more about it. They may keep quiet in December. Who knows? Maybe they'll ride that train and just like slowly reveal stuff. Yeah. Um, it was revealed that you can get uh, – if you pre-order, which I think pre-orders are open now, that you actually get another uh, a special character for it. I can't remember off the top of my head because it was at the end of it and I was still just like reeling from <laughs> the weirdness of that trailer. Um, so, yeah, if you get the chance, you're a big Mortal Kombat fan. It is open for pre-order now, I believe, according to that trailer. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool stuff. Yes. So moving on out of Brian's realm, which he's not here to talk about, which is the FGC. So I'm glad that we got to do it this week. We're going to jump a little further into mine, which is which is the card dealings. Uh, so the 25 year old game Magic: The Gathering made a lot of waves this this past week uh, it, with their announcement of getting a pro league with 10 million dollars in prizes. And I believe the pro league actually goes between the actual card, physical card game, and uh, the uh, the electronic uh, TCG, mm-hmm. basically the Magic: The Gathering Arena. And and with this, uh, the the they were looking to feature thirty two of the world's best players competing in a series of weekly matchups, as well as major tournaments called Mythic Championships. They're also, I think, fueling this kind of thirty two best player thing through um they're having a ladder system that goes into place i think maybe either this week or within the next two weeks and everything i've heard and i'm just going to jump in here a little bit everything i've heard from in the hearthstone space uh savitz was talking about it everybody's talking about like how they they really want to get back into magic the gathering this is one of the things that really led them into hearthstone and arena is a lot of fun and now that they have a competitive ladder system it, or at least it's coming. This could be a game changer. Mm-hmm. And as someone joked, this could be the artifact killer. That's <laughs> a joke. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I think it was Froden got a little upset about everybody talking about how this is going to kill Hearthstone. I don't know if that's the case, but do you think there's space in esports to create, uh, or sorry, do you think that to kind of create more followers or to generate uh, a, a large amount of followers for Magic: The Gathering? Will it become like a, a large enough esport? I will be honest. In the beginning, I was like, this game is 25 years old. What is this? What is the big, like, initiative pushing this? The money that's going in here. The the big initiative, in all honesty, was when Hearthstone came out, I heard that the Magic the Gathering online, which was – they were basically making a good amount of money. Pretty much they lost. They shed like 80% of their revenue on it because of Hearthstone. So Hearthstone killed Magic the Gathering online. I now think that Magic back. the Gathering is going to kill Hearthstone back. That's that's where I'm sitting right now because of where we where we are in the world of competitive card games. Magic the Gathering's the grandpa. And so you you know Hearthstone much better than I do, but it seems like the sink the ship is kind of sinking a little bit and people are not as excited about the Hearthstone competitive scene as it is. Artifact came out. We're going to talk about that a little bit later about how the results have been there. But there, I feel like Magic sees their opening. They see the interest. They see that there is some floundering going on and they can recapture a lot of the excitement that they had before with this competitive scene. They've been going after people like Day9 for years to try to get him to stream and he's been doing it and getting people interested in Magic. It seems to me like they're just kind of trying to say we have an opening with 
people want competitive card esports, we can do it the best. Yeah, I think even though, you, like you mentioned, they're the grandpa, they've seen some things. They've uh, they've learned uh, essentially how to run a system. I, yeah, they've had their problems. Yeah. Um, but uh, in, in all honesty, Hearthstone and all these other TCGs take cues from Magic the Gathering. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I would like to see them do is take advantage of the electronic card itself more mm-hmm. so than – Hearthstone has. Hearthstone doesn't do a lot of things like I, I, we were talking about, like getting multiples or, or, of, of one card constantly or being able to trade and all these different things. Like you, you can't do a lot of these things with uh, the electronic cards that from like a packs standpoint and how right. they're, the cards are issued. Imagine Gathering has the ability to maybe change some of that. Artifact chose to go the exact opposite route and it, it, it has hurt them. Um and I think that I think that this big push now, if you take the ten million split, obviously it's five. I did math, so it's, Brian's not here to like five point it. But it, it, you know, Hearthstone did come out like last week, I think, to maybe beat them to the punch a little bit and announce that they were going to do a four million dollar championship essentially across the, for the year. I, I I think overall it's it, it's great for the scene. Mm-hmm. I think Magic Gathering is is more skilled and. I'm going to say a lot of people want to bash me here, but there's less RNG in that. It feels like at least, and a lot of people feel like there's more, it's a more skill based game mm-hmm. and there's not always like so much luck and randomness involved in it as you get in Hearthstone. But that's one of the things that made Hearthstone popular and makes it fun for some people is that randomness, that big wow moment, like, holy crap, how did that even happen? Magic the Gathering doesn't have a ton of this. Whoa, crap. How did that even happen? Because you kind of willed it to happen. So. Yeah. Um, it's, they're, they're very different beasts. I don't necessarily like to f- compare them in terms of like gameplay wise. Um, but I, I hope they, I hope they both succeed and they both do well. I think that's a great thing for the mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that's it, basically all I have. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I've played both games. I, I don't know. I, I can't say if I like one more than the other, cause they're just so different. And so when you think about the esports side of it and you think about how, it's going to be a big push for a game that's been around for so long. I'm going to be very interested to see how the fans respond to it and how it, mm-hmm. you know, is there going to be these huge audiences on Twitch? Is there going to be people going to see these live, like being hungry for it? Um, remains to be seen. Yeah. I think one of the things too, I, I did want to mention is like, you look at uh, Hearthstone has maybe even depreciated how, how much, uh, the value that is earned or what you gain from, from grinding ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Where now you've got Magic Gavin come in saying, hey, we're going to introduce a ladder and it's more than likely going to be what fuels a lot of these like further end gameplay. So the grind may very much be alive in Magic Gathering and maybe it's a dead thing in Hearthstone. So they may totally represent two different types of players in the end. Sure. But you did mention, uh, you did mention whether or not they could pull an audience and so on a new uh Newzoo report the uh, which is titled the world's top esports events generate increased viewership on twitch youtube and so on and so forth so the top four esports events which which were listed was the league of legends world championship finals e-league major boston the international and the overwatch league finals accumulated 190.1 million hours watched live 
across Twitch and YouTube gaming. What do you think we will? Uh, what do you think will we see these same top esports events listed next year? Obviously, maybe not a Boston major, but a CS:GO major popping in there. Or will there be newcomers to kind of dethrone them in terms of like these top events for the year? Like Magic the Gathering. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) World of Warcraft even. You know, that is actually – you're kind of drumming up a possibility there because like World of Warcraft has been growing like crazy. I just love the fact that Overwatch League Finals showed up on this list because Overwatch League didn't exist last year and it turned out to be one of the top four watched esports events which really just tells me that it's an open game it's open it's open all over the place Uh, you've got your big ones you've got league of legends you've got the international you've got um you know you get the e-league major whatever the the, that major is i mean with all the attention that chongqing major has gotten this year who knows um it (laughs) might become it might become one of the top ones watched but then you see something like a brand newcomer like overwatch league pop in there I don't know if Fortnite gets their shit together. Fortnite may could may be something like we could finally see the battle royale scene for the top events on the list. That could happen. I mean, if you watch what's happening with the summer skirmishes, with the winter fall skirmishes, like that could happen. I could see it happening. Yeah, and I think there's also a couple of other ones like Rocket League is definitely picking up some steam. I could see them maybe even growing. Uh, I would like to see, I know it sounds weird, but uh, Facebook even jumping into this mix, right? Um, the ESL major, uh, sorry, the ESL season eight championship, uh, it clocked in the largest amount of hours watched on Facebook, which <laughs> I'm going to be honest, doesn't probably take a ton right now, but it is it is like their premier event right now. Right. And it's very, very exciting uh, for them and for ESL that that is the case. Uh, could it have been viewed more on one of these other platforms? I don't know. I'd also like to see Mixer thrown in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they need to just stop limiting it to Twitch and YouTube and start maybe broadening it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think there will be newcomers. Um, it'll probably still be like a CSGO event. I don't know if anything tops this past year. I think every year we, we kind of wonder if CSGO is going to decline a little bit. And I don't know if that's the case. I think maybe CSGO is going to pick up some steam this year. This seems like uh, they've, they've had a really great narrative this past year. If, uh, even having North America kind of win early on, North America is still fighting really, really strong in terms of with Liquid, yeah. um, Team Liquid. Uh, I think I think CSGO will still remain there. Uh, the International will still be there. League of Legends will still be there. Overwatch will still be there. So I, But I don't know if someone else will be able to top them. I, I I would like to think so. I think the week one might honestly be Overwatch. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't see the other ones in terms of hours watched and the interest in it. I don't think so. Well, you talked about CSGO. You saw you know, CSGO has definitely become like th- their stories are there. They've been there all, all year. And this year, this this has been the, the story. Astralis. Astralis, Astralis, Astralis. That's all we talk about with CSGO. And they take the EPL Season 8 title, secure uh, – that's their ninth title one in uh, – so th- nine titles in a year. Like, that's crazy. But they also secured the $1 million Intel Grand Slam prize. And that is when you win four out of ten events in a consecutive window. They're the first ones to do it since 2017 when it came out. 
So everything's been like all the time that I've been covering esports in the last year, it's been CSGO and Astralis. That's pretty much it. And so my question to you is number one, like, are you excited by this? Does it make you happy as a fan? And do you get kind of tired of this? Number two, if you if a team just continues to win, does it keep the scene going to make it in that top four so people want to watch it? Or do they not care? <laughs> so uh, them winning the EPL season eight uh, season finals, which I think I called it ESL previously, but I'm there's so many damn acronyms. Give me a break. Uh, EP, the EPL season eight is in them getting it uh, to basically one win it at the very last event of the year that they could have pulled off the four wins and win the Intel 1 million afterwards. Like talk about a ride, right? Like so much on the line against team liquid there at the finals. And do I get tired of Astralis winning? No. I mean, they, they won four out of 10. Yes. They won nine overall, but like, I think it was uh, two months ago, three months ago, maybe we were talking about it and it didn't look like anybody was going to make this. Yeah. Brian, I, I think we, I don't know if we were even talking about it on a show or if we were talking about it off air. Um, but we had mentioned, well, can anybody, can anybody do it? Now, Astralis has to win like back to back, basically majors to pull this off. Yeah. They would need to uh, win out IEM Chicago and they'd have to pull off ESL Pro League season eight to do it and neither of them are super easy and they at the time they hadn't won since may and contributed to this top four and uh the only other person that was in the running for it at the time was was phase right and and phase was still running pretty pretty hot and so the fact that they were able to do it back to back at the end and get four of four and in the fashion which some with what they did some stuff even device was caught saying afterwards not really caught but he was he mentioned we were trying to do some crazy stuff at the end just to make sure we we push it. We made it, and it's very true. If you look at the next to last point or even game uh, game point, I mean, he was standing in uh, long doorways, like scoped in. Device was scoped in, and you could see a grenade thrown at him. Instead of yanking out of the scope and running, he stood there because he knew I'm going to gamble on it. He even says like I'm going to gamble on it to take it because. It's basically meant as a divergence that they can make a cross and I would back out. Right. And sure enough, he takes it, takes like 70% damage, but someone comes jumping through and bam, down. And and just this gutsy moves like that, which most people would have played it safer, would have backed out of the doorway, would have found cover, would have allowed um, yeah, the other team to maybe gain a little bit of leverage in terms of position or change positions. He opted basically for a trade. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe in the end it was a trade, but he definitely got an early on uh, kill with it. And just moves like that and smart moves like that uh, has helped Astralis change things up and win. And if you look at the team just prior to the E-League win uh, in uh, season two, well, the near E-League win in season two, uh, because the green wall basically won it. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, they disappeared. But ironically, somewhat uh, rematch here with NAF being on Team Liquid and doing an amazing job. I think that, um, you know, Astralis had this problem with almost making it so so often, right? And they were just so close constantly. And uh, I may be wrong. Did they win E-League Season 2? Did Astralis win League Season 2? I'm I'm blanking. It's, I do not know. It feels like it's been ages ago. 
anyways, <laughs> you you looked that up. This is like what Joyce usually does up. for us while we're doing the show. Like, seven wrong, but she's looking it up right now. I'm thinking uh, Optic Gaming. I knew maybe it was just the two of them in the end, but uh, Optic Gaming won E League season two. That's right. Okay, I don't know why I'm second guessing. I'm second guessing <laughs> myself. Um, but uh, so they they had this habit of kind of just choking at the end, right? And so they brought in some people to help them with like mental health to help. Uh, ready them to to deal with the pressure, to not fold, to not get flustered, and and work their ways through it. And since that addition, I mean, that was a story of them uh, during the the E League season two uh, uh, run was like how they they made it through the grand finals because they were always kind of just I don't know I guess you could say pulling them out sports out in <laughs> like the quarters basically. Then they were never making it, but they were definitely ha- they definitely had the talent. Now they now they are. Obviously, with that help and with a couple of wins under their belt, they just started that ball rolling. Uh, and yeah, I think it's, I think one of the reasons why CSGO is going to grow is because Team Liquid is also going to help it because uh, there there needs to be a strong or a healthy CSGO scene in North America as well to help it out. Yeah. And Liquid has always sort of been that flash in the pan the last couple of years. Um, I think when they had uh simple, it was even then they they want to they got really close to winning a major, um, and then they didn't, but they had this great showing. They're really really close, uh, but it, everybody was like, "What's well, because they have simple?" And they lose simple and they disappear for half a year, right? And then they come back and they do really really well, and then they disappear for like half a year, and now they're back and they're they're mostly consistent. They're not winning big, but here they are standing at the end of EPL season eight, toe to toe with Astralis. Uh, granted, Astralis is pretty much whipped up on them <laughs> the last three meetings. Um, but they're but, there. They've, every, they've they're been there. there. Yeah. But they're there, and they're and they're they're more consistently doing it, and they're doing it more consistently than Cloud Nine is doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, you know, Naf is is proven that he is a really strong shot caller, um, and was really what ha- what kept Opta Gaming afloat largely. Um, and the him leaving Opti Gaming to go to Team Liquid is what really made Opti Gaming fall apart after mm-hmm. E League season two, mm-hmm. and he's proving uh, that he's just an incredible, incredible shot caller. He's uh, grown so much as a player, and I think Team Liquid has largely gotten there on the back of him, mm-hmm. and he's been a very consistent player for them and and helping them become more consistent, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. So now we, we look to the next year and see, is Astralis going to keep on this winning tear that they've been on? I I think so. I mean, I think that, uh, they're, I don't see them diverting from it. Um, they, this team has, has been super strong. Um, they feel more like the, the word is pro dynasty. Like they'll be around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see them. Uh, I don't see them folding. I don't see them <laughs> folding right now. I, I They've consistently been atop the, you know, the number one spot for so long now. Um, Grant, every team has their run and then they kind of fold. But again, they, they've just proven that they can, they can adapt, right? Going up against team liquid is not a team that Grant, they've beat them before they beat them. Oh, I don't know. Like three to zero at IEM Chicago. They beat them uh, at the London Major like two months ago, two to nothing. Uh, so they they've been 
tearing them up. But it, this again, this finals, even though they won three to one, it was a very close three to one at the end, mm-hmm. and it could have easily gone to two, and then they would have had to maybe win out three two to even make it. But it was almost swinging it in favor of of NAF and crew over there at Team Liquid, mm-hmm. and I think. Uh, it just shows that they can adapt. They can adapt to whoever's calling on the other side. They can make riskier moves, um, even though they're somewhat calculated. And even if your other t- the other team has what looks to be like the more dangerous nephew of Ted Cruz calling the shots. Sorry, Naf. <laughs> just I don't know why, but <laughs> I don't know why he reminds me of like I don't don't know. Don't. Wow. Uh, wow. He, they can they can figure it out, right? And they make the right calls and. You can take risky moves like that, uh, like Device did, standing in long uh, and and taking a grenade hit to hopefully make that trade. Because if anybody's going to hit that shot, it's going to be a Device, right? If you're one of these other teams and you and you are maybe kind of shaky with that, um, you're not the payoff's not there. Yeah, and they're not they're And what's great is they're not infighting like MIBR, and so they seem like they're going to continue this run mm-hmm. well into 2019. Well, let's hope so because CSGO, there's been a little bump in the road. This happened last week or actually this week. It's, yeah. Um, CSGO upset its fans recently. You guys probably heard about this um, by teasing a big old announcement and then saying, oh, by the way, we're going to free to play and we're adding a battle royale mode entitled Danger Zone. Uh, and so fans were not happy with what they got. And they took to the Steam CSGO page and review bombed it with over 14,000 bad reviews the day of the announcement. Um, so Seven and I were, were reviewing the gameplay for Danger Zone before the show. We were not impressed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were not impressed by this. And uh, so what happened? Like, did this, what did they do? What, why did this happen? Well, I think the revolt is largely around the fact that a lot of people – whenever you change a, a, a game from being a paid game, for this case, um, you know, people were paying for the actual title and then they switched to free-to-play with no warning that it's coming. People who were like, well, I just bought it last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? I mean if I would waited a week, what would happen? Unfortunately, that's just like how video games work anymore. I was looking at uh, Diablo on Switch, which we were just – I was really on the cusp of buying it when we were at uh, BlizzCon. Yeah. And then last week it was like 30% or 40% off. I'm like, holy crap. That's literally been like a month and now it's like 30, 40% off. Glad I didn't buy it then. Yeah. Um, and so I think that at any point in time, that, that happens every time. That happens even when, if you are buying computer parts. You're like, well, next week the new thing could be announced and it could be half the price of what I paid for it now. But you got to get the value of it whenever you can. Yeah, same thing with like TVs and everything. Like we we already kind of, as technology buyers, we kind of go into it knowing that that's going to happen. But in video games, that doesn't seem to be something people accept so well. No, no, and and also if you bought it last week, fully, um, I mean, not one, you you probably missed the the uh, they usually do the fall sale, they do the winter sale, they do a sale (laughs) like every other month themed sale. And it's usually like three bucks. <laughs> so right. um, I, I'm sorry that you maybe paid, I don't know, what it was like maybe 14, 19 bucks for it, whatever it is that they pay for it. I get it. Uh, also, I don't know how much Valve really cares about 14,000 bad reviews on CSGO hitting it. Uh, it. The game is ages old, and I don't know anybody who goes out there and be like, hmm, should I buy it? Does it have good reviews? 
there's so many people playing it and it's like the biggest esport. Like, uh, yes, you know, it's fine. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's equivalent to people going and maybe not so much now in terms of hype, but going and like, Hmm, I wonder if Fortnite's any good. Let me read some reviews. It's freaking everywhere. I mean, it's essentially, it's, it's close to that. Maybe not Fortnite in terms of size, but anyways, that's done. That analogy's done. <laughs> I, what really, I think kind of, made the people mad by them switching it free to play more so than maybe the fact that they paid for it is a lot of people have concerns around cheating happening in CSGO Mm -hmm. and that it's not well uh, taken care of by Valve because it's not well taken care of by Valve. It's ruining their gameplay. And so they pay for things like the prime account and they do everything they can to kind of sort of of, of avoid running into this because now prime players will play prime players. Um, but what happens is, is if you have say twenty, if if you have a a title or a game that costs twenty bucks, every time someone wants to cheat, they're wagering that twenty dollars. If they get vacked, right? Mm-hmm. If they get banned by Valve, whatever it may be, they lose the, their investment on that game, and so they're out twenty bucks. Now there is no investment loss if you get caught cheating. You just make another account under another thing, whatever it may be. And we all know Valve isn't really the craziest at updating it and getting a hold on these. So people are really, really worried that it's just going to become a shit show when it comes to, when it comes to uh, the amount of cheaters. And that's really where everybody's like, oh, great. Now we're totally screwed because a million new people are going to come in and just start wrecking the place. Now, mind you, I believe CSGO has been free in China for some time now, so it's not really a new thing. Right. But that's the case. Like Everybody's freaking out that they're going to be invaded by cheaters. Even though Valve has come out and said Prime players will play against Prime players. If you purchase it, you're now considered a Prime player. You don't need to – you don't need to worry as much. Yeah. Like It's still essentially the same system, but fans will interpret it however they want to interpret it. I kind of felt from this like people were feeling the sellout mode, like oh, we're we're going to battle royale because that's the only place that we can go well, these days. Yeah. It's the it's the new hotness. And when we checked out this gameplay, we were just like, okay, like my first impression of watching this gameplay was I couldn't tell that this wasn't PUBG for a while. It didn't look like anything specifically different or new that I did hadn't seen before. And then when you buy equipment. There's this drone that comes out from nowhere, making a lot of noise to drop your equipment to you. And, and basically, it just says, hi, come shoot me. <laughs> I'm over here. I'm yeah. over here. And so it just, there's, I don't know if, it, it, to me, it just felt like it was half-assed. Like, we need to do something fast to try and keep ourselves relevant. And it didn't feel like it was done the right way. It doesn't. It, it feels, in all honesty, it feels like an alpha for, uh, like a proof of concept for something like a, a battle royale for like PUBG. Right. The scary part is the the mod for Arma, even though it was totally a mod, not the original intention of the game. The mod for Arma felt more baked than this version of CS:GO does, mm. and in in that case. I mean, you run around, you collect money, and then you buy something and a drone drops it off to you. Okay, not really exciting to go and loot. You can find weapons here and there. Yes, they have different uh, – um, basically, it looks like they have different like damage levels essentially. And not in terms of just um, – not in just terms of like 
the type of weapon, but it looks like they maybe are trying to institute like some kind of epic. I don't know if they were just skinning it differently. I haven't had a chance to play it. Um, anyways, that aside, you to, there are loot boxes in it, but you have to go find something to smash the loot box. So finding a hammer is like winning the lottery because then you can go around and bash open other loot boxes and get items. Right. So it just seems not really well placed. And, and so it is like a hex system. It's uh, 16 versus 16, so it felt really quiet. You and I both are like, it just, just feels quiet. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't feel like any kind of intense gameplay. Now, uh, you can also get, like, upgrades to your tablet, which is essentially, like, their way of instituting a map or viewing a map. And that upgrade will tell you, like, where drops are happening or where the next possible kind of uh, wave or, or, or move in of the quote unquote circle, but it's not a circle when that may happen. Mm-hmm. And so you get some kind of bonuses to finding one of these uh, tablet upgrades, which is just like an SD card you kind of put in your <laughs> tablet is what it looks like, which fine. But uh, even though it's, it's kind of half baked, the irony is, is that valve uh, or CSGO has hit the highest number of player count uh, that it's had, I think in like four years. Hmm. It has spiked incredibly well, so it's definitely brought a lot of players to the to the game. But whether or not they'll stick for a half baked version, I need to go to like Steam charts and see where they're landing, uh, because it doesn't seem like they're going to that this this trend will continue. I don't yeah. see it continuing because I look at Call of Duty, that's way more fun battle royale. I look at Fortnite, way more fun. I look right. at even Paladins or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably way more fun. That one seems about the, the equivalent. Okay, I, I, there you go. That's probably the the closest equivalent. It it just feels like it's spaced out. Doesn't make a ton of sense. There's not really a ton going on. I don't. I don't. I don't see it happening. I don't see it taking off. No, did neither did I. And the fans are clearly not happy with it either, or excited about it. No. <laughs> Let's talk about another game that Valve has dropped that people are also having uh, maybe second thoughts on. Uh, when it comes to Artifact, they've lo- now lost more than half of their initial active player base, and that's just happened in like one week. Yeah. So they peaked at a little over 60,000 on launch day. That was November 28th. Now, uh, sorry, by December 6th, the uh, active player base was at 25,000 on average. So that's according to Steam charts, which I had mentioned before. I, I mean, this is this is, this is is bad news. Uh, I mean, does does Artifact have a chance? I think that they are really suffering. And so when uh, Brian and I traveled to Atlanta uh, last weekend, we we were actually uh, in our little bit of downtime afterwards, we were watching an artifact stream and – it was hard. It, like I can't figure it out as a casual player, number one. So as an eSport, it's going to be a really tough sell for someone to get into excitedly. And then you look at the the pay-to-win structure of it. Like You literally have to spend money and time that is just – it's over the top to me because you've got something like Hearthstone that just allows you to do free-to-play. There's no comparison. Like how – if this game is that hard to understand, just like I guess as a casual player, how are you going to get casual players to want to even get into it? If the only way they can get packs is by playing for them, yeah, it's the uh, you say pay to win is really called pay for everything. Pay for everything, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, I mean, you have to pay to play competitively. You have to buy like tickets to get into everything, and 
one of the telling things, and this is something that I had mentioned to Brian when I and I've mentioned on the show, is that when I first got, went to play the game, um, it was at PAX. Uh, PAX West, mm-hmm. and I remember standing and waiting for my chance to uh, for us for them to let let me into play for my chance to play, and I w- even with announcers, I was like, I I don't know what's going on. It's it's taking me a little while. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's kind of hard to hear the announcer at announcers, but even so, while they're trying to explain, I'm catching bits and pieces of it. It still was really tough to understand because I was also watching a match. It was probably uh, several turns in. If you play the game, it's different because complexity builds mm-hmm. as you play and you just kind of keep a running tabs of what's going on. You just you just get it. It plays a lot better than it, it does from a viewing standpoint. It it does not pass the the bar test at all, which I always joke about is if it's on a screen a bar, can you watch it and understand without with sound off? D- no, can't. No. You might be able to if you're like a pro player, you've played a lot, but it does not lend itself to new viewers at all, no. which is telling because when you look at some of their streams, they're starting off really high, right? They'll, they're peaking at the beginning and then dropping off. Uh, they've had like two major tournaments so far. Ironically, I think one both by the same person. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it's, it's telling, right? It's telling that people aren't able to catch – on it, it's not catching on with people there uh there's not a lot of interest in it. i have fun playing it um but i haven't even really ventured into this kind of competitive play piece uh, a lot of people are talking about how like they're making a lot of money doing keep it drafts and 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 such but there's no like ladder there's no necessarily mm-hmm. a grind to it even though they're going to try and prop it up with money in terms of the scene i think there's going to have to be some changes before that happens and i find it funny that csgo went free to play not artifact yet yeah um but I think that's their next move. I think they. I think they've got to. I think this gate, the, the it being gated by a twenty dollar buy in is already, I think, hurting it. And especially when you look at things like Shadowverse, Hearthstone, which will leave, at least give you the chance to earn packs or mm-hmm. earn cards in some way. And um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think that's that's definitely the first hurdle. But yeah. there are also a lot of other hurdles in it. Oh, yeah. Like the biggest indication that I can see when I'm watching people, uh, some of the the, maybe the pros who have been playing other games and they get really excited about something like this and they want to keep playing it. And they look at the stream numbers that they get when they stream it and notice that their numbers go down because nobody wants to watch this gameplay. That's really telling to me. And I've seen so many of those people, Hearthstone pros, even Heroes of the Storm pros that have been trying to get into the game, stop streaming it. Because yeah. nobody's watching yeah. it, I mean, you can't get into it. I really it. enjoy playing it. Yeah, I do enjoy playing it. I uh, I think when it first came out, um, or at least in this last week or so, uh, it's been difficult for me to be like stop playing it or at least thinking about it. But now that I've stepped away for for like four days, I'm like, oh, do I really want to sit down and invest 45 <laughs> minutes or so and like playing it? It's not the same as picking it up. I'm like, and and now uh, again, it coincides with a a couple of things, right? That are also kind of help like smashing. It's numbers, right? And, and not helping at all. Magic Gathering picking up, uh, Hearthstone dropping an expansion. My favorite, my favorite was uh, a streamer posting, uh, playing some Magic Gathering, waiting for the next expansion of Hearthstone. <laughs> Even though the new one just dropped, like, obviously he doesn't like the latest version of uh, Hearthstone. And so I'm having fun with Hearthstone again uh, with the new expansion. It's, it's cool because the decks are feel somewhat new but also familiar. It's mm-hmm. not too crazy i'm saying that now but really what happened it's only because i'm winning really well but then uh, once i get on a losing streak 
I'll get salty and everybody will, but I, I feel like I'm not struggling at the start of a new expansion like I have in the past. Yeah. Uh, Artifact is fun. I'm getting ready to jump back into Magic Gathering. It's been so long since I played it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I love card games. I think they're a ton of fun. Yeah. But you're 100% I, I right, like, though. It's got to go to free to play if anyone's going to have a chance at, at really digging into this game. I think you're 100% right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see a reason to play it outside of going and playing a bot in a lot of ways. I like yeah. to make decks and test it. It's like playing. Uh, FIFA and only playing in a manager mode and never actually playing at any of the gameplay is what yeah. it feels like. Like if you're one of those people, like I just like the management of stuff and I like deck building and I like playing. I think it's fun because it feels like you're playing against another player in some aspects, not mm-hmm. necessarily their deck. Uh, and I think Artifact is a lot of fun. I think it has its own niche. It, it's, it, it has its own gameplay. I don't – it just – it doesn't have a scene, so it's not going to pull those people over. Yeah. And, it, and if you, everybody remembers when it was announced – uh, at the international, it re- it got everybody super hyped, and then they're like the trading card game, and it was like and just sucked the air out of the room. It was like it was worse than Diablo, although somehow Diablo got <laughs> more more wrecked for it. Uh, it. It's so it the fact that it even got as hyped as it did beforehand really surprised me because yeah. it was not hyped uh, for the longest time, and well, now we see it might have just been all hype. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Well, we're going to move on and talk about the Olympics because this has been something that's been in the news quite a bit and it's resurfaced again. A high-level International Olympic Committee group issued a statement this weekend saying discussion about the inclusion of esports slash e-games as a medal event on the Olympic program is premature. However, the statement did make an exception for video games that directly simulate existing sports such as EA's FIFA, like you mentioned earlier. Encouraging international sport federations to further study the potential benefit of cooperation with those games. Okay, Seven. Is it worth it to have meddled <laughs> events for sports video games? I I don't think there's much of an interest here, and I'll tell you why. If you look at the Asian games, there's a lot of backlash around having – uh, video games, and I think this is kind of where they're hesitant, and maybe sit, talking about how like they want to work with uh, with the game makers and everybody. I don't know. They're hesitant at announcing it because it, at the Asian Games, there was a large backlash for the fact that people could meddle in, say, Hearthstone, right? Right. Um, and, and so they basically yanked it. Uh, the Asian Games folded and didn't give medals essentially or points towards uh, the the country's totals because of video games. And that might have been because it was largely like Tencent leaning on everybody. It's kind of like the Tencent show and it was all their games. Mm-hmm. And so people was like, oh, it's just a monopoly. Well, I mean, it's Tencent. Too bad. Every game you're pretty much playing now, unless it's a Valve direct game, it's pretty much a Tencent fueled or backed or funded somewhat game uh, from an esports standpoint, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't think that if you're – uh, someone who is watching the Olympics, and maybe you're a non-video game player, are you going to watch someone play soccer or football and then be like, oh, man, now I want to watch the video game version of it as well? If you had a choice to make between the two, I'm fairly certain nine out of ten people would just watch the actual real-life gameplay versus the game and and we've talked about this at length before that things like the nba 2k league um and where they fit in 
is in the off season when there's not actual basketball to be watched. Mm-hmm. So uh, sports and video games work well and, and get the most attention, like the Madden stuff gets the most attention when it's not in competition with the live event. It's it draws people in like, oh, I, I like to watch some football now. So I'm going to watch a Madden event because my team isn't playing right now. Yeah. People people inherently are going to default to the real thing versus the artificial thing if they are given a choice. And at the Olympics, they'd be given the choice. Exactly. And this to me feels like it, it, it feels like we got thrown a bone to say, well, we'll allow you as esports people. We'll allow you to have your sports games. It, that's okay because they are within well, the as, spirit as of game people. Yeah, as, as game people. people. <laughs> but the the direct the direct response was we don't want to include games that are violent, and so things like Overwatch and CS:GO and things like that they, they call that against the Olympic spirit, and therefore is not going to be considered going forward. Most likely, um, could change, but. I I don't see how you could put direct a comparison to say the best uh, physical football players in the world, soccer for us Americans, versus a simulation, and we have people be super excited about because like the Olympics, like your grandma's watching the Olympics, so she's not going to be watching. <laughs> she's not going to be watching like FIFA twenty nineteen. Like I just don't see that happening. <laughs> No, honey, no, what's this? I, I think it's funny too because the Olympics have steadily, I believe, steadily declined in terms of viewership, and it's gotten to the point now where like people, countries or cities bidding for the Olympics are finding that it's not monetarily the right route to go. Yeah, uh, and and now you're saying, hey, you also have to set up a land event. <laughs> so I don't know if that's going to be the camel or the straw that breaks the camel's back or not, um, but uh, I think. I, I don't. I don't see it playing out well. Yeah. I think it needs to be something different. Otherwise, people are just going to watch the real thing, and this is going to be what's on it really, really late at night as filler, so that they can run it twenty four seven, and people don't feel like they're missing out on actual real events. Yeah, and really, so that's at least th- those are my thoughts. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a want want from me. <laughs> wah, wah. There you go. It earned two want wahs yeah. from the E-League report. <laughs> All right. So while streaming Friday night, uh, FlyQuest coach St. Vicious ranted about mental health problems, calling depression and anxiety, quote unquote, boop. Oh, sorry. Was that, did I get censored there? I'm sorry. Uh, made up bullshit. Uh, so after major backlash from the community, <laughs> Jules is losing her boop over there. Uh, anyways. So not to make fun of this, sorry, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. But after the uh, major backlash from the community, FlyQuest announced that St. Vicious was released from the team. And this is a, a, an interesting point because if esports coaches are ill-informed or not educated around mental health, I mean, we look at a lot of these players, especially in Overwatch League, talking about burnout, wanting to leave after like 14-hour days or having to – constantly translate mandarin on, and it's not their main language just the mental toll on that i mean what does this mean for for the future this made me so sad when i read this story when it was first breaking because um this this is a guy who is responsible for the success of his players that's that's what he's paid to do that was what he was professionally trained or qualified to do 
He was also a professional player too, so he's been in their seat, and yeah. I think that's probably where it came from. But yeah. I, I think, well, and I think that's the, the, you make a really good point because when you switch to from from player to coach, you, you'd expect that there'd be a level of um, maturity that steps up to that. You know, you, you're responsible for their for their success and how you motivate them and how you choose to push them forward, and then. To have him go on his own personal Twitch stream and rant about that this is made up and it's just a bunch of BS is – and well, he didn't deny that he did it, number one. And then he got – It's hard just, to do that when it's on like live right, stream like, you know, or something. You, like, he admitted that he was, he was ill-informed and uh, uninformed and just not knowing what he was doing. But if he had – like. The reason that he apologized was because people like freaked out on him. And I believe this is a culture. It's a culture in esports in general for players to for just players in general to just not have this education about about mental health and about depression and anxiety because this is the way it's always been done. And granted, like esports is, you know, relatively newer in the last 10, 15 years. And so the the history may not be there as much as it would be, but it just pissed me off so much because this was a coach. Like, I can't even yeah, imagine. Yeah. Like, it feels to me like it was a drill sergeant situation. Like, walk it off. Like, you broke your ankle. Walk it off. And I don't care that you've been hurt. It just pissed me off. And I didn't like it. And no. the only no. reason he apologized was because he got bit by it. I get it. And I think a lot of people talk about uh, whenever, like, a, it's brought up in esports in terms of, like, either fatigue or mental illness or – um, yeah, any anything that may have a mental health problems, not necessarily burnout. in general, but burnout. Like people talk, oh, you're just playing video games. I mean, it's it's not. It's not necessarily the case. I mean, you're, when you're p- playing professionally, you have a lot of additional stresses on you. On top of that, I mean, you look at some of these CS:GO players. CS:GO players were the ones that were really at uh, getting burnout a lot. Um, like two years ago, they were traveling, doing a ton of tournaments. It was like every other weekend there was like something going on. I remember. Uh, couple of guys i think it was like stewie and shroud were joking about the fact like well i'm streaming today because i won't be home for three months <laughs> like that is the kind of stuff that would would happen and even people who are, are casters uh, still run into this like uh we had some people were talking about how like, they don't get to see family someone had like a, a brother pass away but they had been spending so much time in terms of casting they never really got to to, to help uh or, or or you know essentially get to spend time with loved ones, whatever it may be, because they're constantly working, constantly doing it. I know a lot of that is somewhat choice, um, but at the same point in time, I mean, even people who do games testing for a living or QA get really burnt out of playing the exact same game for eight hours a day. And you start talking about sometimes you get into crunch and you're doing it for 14, or even if you're pay- playing professionally, you're playing it for 14, however many hours it may be. Like It's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of stress yeah. uh, to on, on a person to have to like a mental stress essentially in, in doing so. And so I understand this fatigue piece, especially when you start introducing travel and all these different like if you're playing competitively, you're waiting around in studios, you have to do you're waiting around at arenas, whoever may be at events. And so you're, you're not always like having the best food either. So there's a no. lot of things that contribute to it. I mean, just think about it. Think about traveling for work constantly. And then mm-hmm. in the end, are you like, oh, man, I'm tired. But really, all you did was fly on an airplane. How can you complain? Yeah, but I had to go through airports. I had to do all this different stuff. I mean, it's it makes it – it's not to, that's just the fact of them playing a video game. 
it's all the things compounded that create these scenarios. And so when he says I was ill-informed, I'm calling bullshit on that. I just think he, he was annoyed or pissed off because he's been in that position before as a pro player. Mm -hmm. He feels that they're just being quote unquote weak, whatever it is. So he calls it bullshit and then people called him out on it. Mm -hmm. And so therefore now he has to issue an apology and really what he needs his job. Yeah. He lost his job. Uh, He'll just go back to streaming in all honesty, but Again, I don't think that uh, – I I hope that any esports coach I, – I mean, I think it's kind of starting to become more commonplace to have people who are there to monitor mental health and physical health and diet and all this stuff when it comes to game, uh, you know, gaming houses or teams. It seems to be almost an auto-include when you start – when these teams start growing that they add these kind of services in there for their players and their player health. I just hope it continues to go that trend and definitely not down the, the path that, of it being BS. Yeah. I don't see I don't see it going that way. I hope I really hope it isn't. It's a precedent that's been at that's been set to and and I think that's what makes me so frustrated is like so um kind of a, a sister story to this is that Twitter uh, on Twitter Ninja posted that he has spent 3800 hours of streaming in 11 months of 2018 and so if you put that in perspective that's nearly 80 hours a week, amounting to nearly 11 and a half hours of Fortnite per day, which is over double the amount of time an average American works for. And this is like 11 hours a day. And you talk about like Overwatch League players working 14 hour days and you know they're maybe getting one day off a week if they're lucky. It's a precedent that's been set. And this is... I, I see this also with with the, the age of the esports player. You know, your young teens, twenties. Usually, you're not sleeping so well, staying up until all hours of the night. Maybe getting a couple hours of sleep before you have to go to scrims the next morning, and then the the signs of burnout start showing, and everybody just tells you to suck it up. And then you've got Ninja, who's the most popular streamer in the world, demonstrating this work ethic of. Averaging 11 hours a day and, you know, double streams a day. He's He apologizes to his audience every single day he can't stream because he's working on something else. It's like, I apologize that I'm not there because I'm filming something or I'm spending time with my wife. That is a precedent that I do not want to see set. No, I mean, he's been pretty guarded around his time. He talks about how, like, certain times of the day he's just done and he goes and spends it with family. Uh, but I mean, honestly, I mean, he's playing a game. I mean, how much can that be held against him? Or like, like, come on, suck it up. That's just BS. No, I'm joking. I mean, that's like a that's a ton of time <laughs> put into playing uh, a game and streaming on top of it. Um, I mean, you're entertaining while playing, right? And so that's just kind of just crazy to think about. And so I think that, uh, yeah, it. He has historically kind of set this precedent of him working way too much in an average day. Um, And I think he really needs to push it, especially now because he did all this while like all this traveling that he does um, in terms of like uh, going to like he did this stuff with like Red Bull or he's going to be doing the stuff with Red Bull at like New York Times uh, or New York uh, Times Square in New York for like – New Year's Eve, I think even yeah. like there's all these different things that he's doing. And to think that he's also now done 3,800 hours of streaming 
Uh, that's a lot. I know he's done some IRL streams, so at least he's not sitting in front of a computer and playing. But that that stuff takes a toll on your health, just sitting and playing games all oh, day. Oh, yeah. I mean, no. I know we sound like a bunch of like old people yelling at kids, don't do that. But really, we're kind of defending the fact that like as many times as I've done it, I also can tell you that doing it every single day and feeling like I have to uh, is – just not fun. <laughs> not yeah. fun mentally. Well, and it's, I mean, it just explains a lot about mental health and, and burnout in the, in our culture for sure. Um, so we'll, we'll switch gears a little bit because you threw this story in and uh, wanted to talk about this one specifically. Uh, the South Korean government is working on a law to preserve esports, making it against the law to do account boosting. South Korean Overwatch and League of Legends pros have been, had a checkered past with participating in account boosting themselves. So, what do you think? Is this going to be enough to deter account boosting practices and the companies that are selling it? I think it's interesting that uh, South Korean government has taken a stance on actual boosting in in general, right? Yeah. Uh, they, I know in the past they've uh, they've they've banned people or they fined people for. Uh, I think they were like making cheats was something that uh, had been done. It's just the the interest uh, the level in which. Esports plays a role in society in South Korea in the interest in which the government takes in it and, and in this way tries to protect the integrity of esports, so they say, is something we just don't normally see here in the States, right? We tend to battle over like, are we going to slap a you know a teen label or a, a, an M rating on this, whatever it may be, or we always want to do violence in video games. And they're combating things like cheating in esports. Meanwhile, Blizzard has to spend years and years and years fighting people in terms of like copyright or whatever it may be to try and like prove that yes, cheating in this game has made them lose money, whatever it may be. And South Korean government is stepping up preemptively. Now, it, it says that they can offer up to two years of prison time, but really, it's it's um, it's not. It's like what's called like pushed out prison time. It's not actually that they're they're going to be thrown in prison. They're basically put on like two years probation, mm-hmm. is largely what it's called. Um, so they're not doing hard time for account boosting. <laughs> what are you in for, kid? Well, you know, my friend had a bad elo, so I hopped on his account and whatever. <laughs> like, no, it's not necessarily the case. Um, it, but it also does carry a fine with it. So what they're trying to do is is stop people within South Korea from doing this. Now, what a lot of people said will just happen is that the people who were earning money doing this or making a living doing things like account boosting will be now out of that money, which understandably so, but it's just going to get moved offshore. So someone in like, say, Indonesia is just now going to do it is what the example that they gave. So they've just basically taken the money out of the Korean economy and given it to somebody else because somebody else will do it uh, because they can make the money for it. Yeah. Check Fiverr.com. That's where it'll be next. Oh, jeez. Oh, do not. Do not check that. <laughs> I did, I'm not really saying that, but it's, it's true. Some people will probably do a service for it. Uh, it it's, it's already spun up, I'm sure, because they now people are worried about doing it in South Korea. Yeah. No, it's just sad that this has to go to legislation because boosting accounts is something that really just kind of ruins the ecosystem of esports. Um, it's... You you can't have a competitive scene if all the counts around you are boosted. It's just it's, it's not true. competitive. So you know what else is uh, the other thing that is actually ruining esports is the lack of regionality. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No, you, I didn't I mean, put this in the show notes. No, you can tell well, me about this. 
Well, believe it or not, uh, the Overwatch League is jumping the gun now and deciding that they're going on the road a year earlier than decided. It was originally decided that in 2020 that uh, Overwatch League, I'm just, I don't know, it's, it's like I was trying to find a nifty way of segueing this, but it was decided that instead of going in 2020, uh, I'm going on the road, uh, that they're going to do a handful of events in 2019 where teams will travel to select cities for road games. So they want to basically create like mini events around the different countries in which Overwatch League teams are in. Uh, so more details on the teams and cities involved will be announced at a later date. But, I mean, will this be enough of a test to prove whether or not Rogue Games and regionality and Overwatch League will actually work? And is that the future for Overwatch? I think they're doing it smart, if, if I'm being honest, because we didn't totally. expect. You don't think so? You don't think it's smart? No, no. I totally think they're doing this right. I think this is the way of going about it. I, I still don't think that there's going to be a, a life for this week my my team's playing here next week they're playing somewhere else i don't think they've got that kind of pull yet but this no. like regional event they they got a taste of it with the finals and i think this is where they're going with it yeah like when you've got now 16 teams now is it 16 um that are playing in this league and or is it 18 i think it's 18 or 16 we have a lot of teams playing in Overwatch League now. That's a lot of games to coordinate across different countries, different regions. It's this is gonna this is gonna be money, time, and logistics of an and it's a nightmare. So to do this in, in a small amount in 2019 is actually very smart of them to try because we've been looking this at this as a show going. There ain't no way they're gonna be ready to do this in 2020. Like it's just not. You can't just go from every game being played in Los Angeles right. to now every game being played across the world and the teams having to travel. You just can't do it. Not with that kind of schedule that they're running. No. So I'm glad they're doing it this way. I'm glad they're thinking it through. I still don't see it, though. Like, I'm with you. In 2020, the regionality, is it is it truly ready there? Um, I don't know. I, I'm still really mm-hmm. skeptical how these well, – like, I was skeptical that the Barclays Center was going to sell out for the finals, but they did. So they they surprised me. They thing. they predict. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's smart. I, also, if you look at uh, they scale back Hearthstone and Hearthstone doing live events. Now, Grant. Now, Grant, it's not the same crew uh, that handles both live events, but I'm sure that there is some crossover there, and this only helps free them up by Hearthstone not doing any live events. Uh, the HGC is on fire, so tell me about it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what. Who knows what's going on there? Nobody. It's sounding. It's sounding like they're basically putting their money on Overwatch and this live events is all hands on deck for Overwatch this year. Yeah, because just doing a handful of events for Overwatch, like that's. I mean, if you, when you're traveling for events like that, I mean, look at like things like DreamHack, right, or the IEMs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're large scale events, and it takes a lot of people. So even if you're it takes a lot less uh, to do – if you're already doing an event, it takes a lot less to basically basically make it a larger event. But it still takes a lot of, lot of work and a lot of uh, hands on deck or people to make an event even happen no matter what the size. And so with Overwatch, I mean what I would love to see is become more of this kind of like tour thing, right? So Overwatch League is like the prime event, but then you've got like – these little side event things going on, like mini, imagine like mini BlizzCon esports events, right? Yeah. That would be super cool. Yeah. But. I could see them, like, you know, DreamHack is now putting on like 10 events a year. Could be interesting to just tie to the, tie to that DreamHack's wagon. Nonstop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. 
Well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Seven, it was a blast to hang out with you and talk esports. And who needs Princess anyway? We don't need him. <laughs> I, I'm, you know what? I started losing my voice like a couple times during this show. So I think that uh, hug he tried to give me, that extra long hug he gave me, may have made me sick. So we'll see. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for joining us on this uh the substitute episode. We appreciate you listening. You can catch us every Monday and Thursday on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head on over to eLeagueReport.com for all the list all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're on iTunes, please tell us what you think about the show by leaving a five-star review. Thanks to all the great five-star reviews lately. And if you happen to leave us one, you can hit us up on social at eLeague TV and let us know and we can shout you out on the show. If you want to give us more love than that, you can come and join our Discord at discord.eleaguereport.com. And if that is still a not enough esports content, please be sure to check out eLeague Daily for the day's top headlines as an Amazon Echo Flash Briefing or in regular old podcast form. And don't forget to catch the eLeague Rocket Cup coverage on TBS this Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week with another E-League report.